Hello you, tuning in to Psychomedy. It's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. ThreadUp brings exciting new changes to its services in direct response to what we learned while supporting comedians and creatives through the crisis with their mental health and including those who lost their income. Check it out at threadup.co.uk and get in touch to arrange your therapy that supports creativity. To Psychomedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a subject I've been studying for 25 years and a quarter of a century of exploring the fascinating way our minds work on and off stage alongside being a stand-up for the last 10 years has led me here today discussing the psychology of comedy and today in the last of season two we will look back on the funniest bits from the series as well as the Daily Dose episodes during lockdown. Some of the clips that really stuck in my mind is cheering me up and everyone else up during the last year. First up is Roland Rivron, and we got talking about his and his wife's love of what else? Caravanning. She goes caravanning, doesn't she? She's big into caravanning, is that right? We are both. We yeah. are both, yeah. Um, I was asked about oh, 20 years ago uh, by the Caravan Club of Great Britain if I'd, uh, when I used to do the holiday show on BBC, mm. Um, they, they got in touch and said, Roland, would you and your family be prepared to go on a short caravan holiday to northern France for the long weekend? Oh. And I said, what? You know, uh, caravans? We don't even, I don't think we'd ever used the word caravan <laughs> in any conversation that we'd had. So uh, we tentatively sort of went along with it. I went to learn how to tow a caravan. And before I knew it, we we're heading down to Calais. We we're on the ferry. We're going to this campsite with a caravan that I'd never towed before in my life, shitting my pants, um, thinking, what the hell are we doing? Got there, immediately my wife and my kids fell in love with it. It was the most fantastic thing. It was like a, a little Wendy house on wheels, my kids running around and having a great time playing with the other children that they'd never done when they were here. Um, and from that day on, we never went anywhere else other than holiday in a caravan. Yeah, nice, nice. I've just, just, just got into it. I've just got into it with my, my kids. I went, yeah, for the first time, I think, last, last year, and they, they're desperate to go again, and it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. Ah, I, it's I good. See, I, mean, I see um, your wife released a cookbook, didn't she? Um, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> Monica Caravan cookbook. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I think probably a world first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that last, that last niche market that um, cookbooks <laughs> hadn't covered. <laughs> yeah. What's the top tip for cooking in a caravan then? Because they have the same keep oven, it simple. don't they? But yeah, keep, keep it, it simple. simple. Of course. Keep it simple. And if you if possible, use do it in one pan. Oh yeah. One pan cooking. That's the yeah, that's the way. You know, the least mess you make because you've got hardly any room. You know, the slightest bit of mess is just magnified in a caravan. Yeah. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. That's the thing. Yeah. In fact, I've just thought of another niche market that Mon could probably try and get into, which is a coal miner's cookbook. <laughs> um, but we'd have to get her down a coal miner. I don't think I don't think she'd be up for that. I'll ask her. I'll ask her. There's no harm in asking. Maybe. You know, if you don't ask, you don't get anything. <laughs> 
We always try to find some positives with what we were all going through this year. And the hilarious Sadia Azmat had one or two unexpected positives and one big expected negative. Um, and I think, if I'm being honest with you, there's some positive days and then there's some harder days. So it's not like the end of the world. I don't have it. And um, I think good has come of it. I'm juicing. I had celery juice. I would never juice before. I had the equipment and I had, you know, so, I, you know, there's some good things come out of it. And it's helped in terms of regrouping and looking at priorities. For example, rough sleepers are now being housed, which is fucking incredible and so good and something that I've always kind of like you know on a on a human level felt that more needed to be done so um that's so good so I'm not saying that corona is great I'm just saying that there's some side effects of corona that are are long overdue yeah yeah I saw that on your twitter that was great to share that yeah that's positive and nice. um, mm. on the downside I'm getting no Dick. <laughs> which you probably also saw because apparently guys care more about their health than pussy and I think well I do love men and I've 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 read some really worrying stats about how corona is more of a risk to men than women so trust me I'm I'm as devastated as anyone about that and uh, I think guys are playing hard to get so the universe really has <laughs> <laughs> gone full circle mate uh I think this is you know it's a been brought, brought about I think men have been pushed down in the corner for so long and they're just not giving it up it anymore <laughs> I haven't thought about that but let me think about <laughs> it how can we get dick in this time of lockdown this is it's... sick <laughs> oh my <laughs> god so I so mean... what are you doing in the sex department Nathan <laughs> are you okay to talk about that or well, I need to be six feet away from people, but that's what I usually am anyway. So. <laughs> it's fine. Next up, Callie Beaton, who was so upbeat and funny 30 days after talking to her early on in lockdown, despite having one of the worst months ever. It's been 30 days since we spoke to you last and you were full of optimism back then, full of, full of hope, full of stories about how you were going to fill these 30 days with creativity and pruning your hedge in your front garden and playing the piano and uh, being well has that all gone to plan it's gone so beautifully to plan um i've done all of that uh, apart from any of the things you mentioned uh, so yes uh, as as some of your lovely listeners will know because i'm not one to suffer in silence uh, and i did daily updates for the last 30 days but mm. yesterday is 30 days since my first symptom of coronavirus so last time i spoke to you was the last time i was what I thought to be virus free, but as it turns oh my out, goodness. yeah. Were you feeling bad at all on that call or were you just totally well on that call? And then immediately afterwards, you started to feel terrible. I'm not saying there's a well, link. We're, well, weirdly, right before I spoke to you, I felt great. Then during the call, awful. As soon as I got <laughs> off the call, I felt good again. Uh, so I thought I just had it for the duration of the call. But then uh, weirdly that night, uh, in the dead of night, my my temperature went from being oh, of a normal human to um, something a little bit higher than a normal human. So yeah, it was all rather rather sudden. And from the next day on in, I was somewhat ill. Oh my goodness! And it's been thirty days. Thirty days. Which how long was Noah's Ark? 
Noah's Ark in. Was that, how long was, was that 100 days? Are you saying you've had a virus of biblical proportions? <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, because also they all did it two by two. So I probably did more than like a sloth or an armadillo did back on that ark. So uh, yeah, I've had a Noah's Ark style uh, COVID experience. And I had a couple of false dawns, probably like Noah did. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the recent movie rendition of Noah, of Noah um, whatever his name was in it. It'll come to me. My brain's a bit mushy. Anyway, I felt like I had a few false dawns. Uh, mm, like, just like, like just like Noah. Yeah, I'm going to look up while we're talking who did Noah in that because it was um, oh Mel, I think it might be Mel Gibson. Um, I'm going to tell you. But anyway, yeah, it was like that. It was epic. It was biblical. Um, it was very, very upsetting. It was Russell Crowe. He was Noah <laughs> in a really atrocious version of Noah that was released about five years ago. God, I want to see that. That sounds awful. I think everyone will have seen it by the end of lockdown because we're all running out of di- <laughs> we've all run out of Tiger King a while ago. So um, lockdown so, would have yeah. to go on a long time for us to watch Noah starring Russell Crowe. Uh, well, I don't know. I will ask you in thirty days. You're <laughs> yeah. getting on with that resolution. So yes, it's been um, it's been a right laugh, and mm. um, yeah, and I I, I found myself. I, was I? Well, I must have been prematurely cohabiting when I spoke to you. So the, mm. the lucky lucky man who met me uh, eight months ago uh, he's had the pleasure of prematurely cohabiting with me because it was one of those all or nothing decisions <laughs> people have had to make uh, and three days after he moved in I got COVID oh, so yeah good. he's been he, he's really been so so happy <laughs> and he's been with you for this time I see yeah, well, he had no choice. It was a sort of proper hostage, a sort of moral hostage situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so he, uh, I think he's had a more miserable time with me in a month than he had with his ex-wife in 13 <laughs> years. So <laughs> we're breaking all kinds of records. <laughs> but did he stay virus-free, did he? Yeah, weirdly, he did. It's amazing. Point, yeah, I've managed to have a couple of rows with him about the fact he must have given <laughs> it to me asymptomatically uh, in my darker nights. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, because I was like, well, I didn't see anyone apart from you uh, in the lead up. So it's you. Uh, so at which point he was like, another cup of tea, dear. Uh, so that was, <laughs> that was good. Of all the luminaries that I got to talk with this year on Psychomedy, perhaps the most thrilling and unexpected was Margaret Thatcher courtesy of the comedy legend Steve Nallon. So are you breaking it to us that Thatcher has died once, of course? Uh, I think... Is Thatcher dead again? I cannot (laughs) see myself ever dressing up as her again. Partly because I don't really like doing it. No, no. (laughs) I'm also... I don't look right. I mean, you know, that that Julian Anderson, she's the right age to play Mrs Thatcher (laughs) in The Crown and all the rest of it. Did they not approach you for that? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it would have been it would have been very funny um i mean she she you know i've performed in glasgow on a friday night so uh, I, she couldn't do that and i survived it um uh so that's one over I, i've got one over on her on that but um no I, I i i but also i've done it you know i did a couple of plays yeah. serious plays where i i was performing a stature uh, which is great because there was no laughs in it as such, you know, no comedy in it from that point of view. It was a serious play. Um, and I feel, oh, that's that's the box I've ticked. 
and I just don't want to dress up anymore um, as Thatcher. Uh, Beyond it, the technical stuff, it just takes forever, you know, to put the makeup on and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. But I'm very happy. I'm very, very happy to do the voice. <laughs> We've waited a very long time, and so have your listeners, but goodness me. Goodness me. Mr. Cassidy, we have got there in the end. Yes, we have. I want to see. I want to see Lady Thatcher running around a park with your, with your arms out. Pretending to be an aeroplane. <laughs> I think that's one thing Mrs. Thatcher probably gave up on very early in life: was, uh, the ability to pretend. Probably still there to a degree, but um, no. Yes, yeah, so I wonder what her sense of humour was. Do you ever get feedback from her and um, on her it's, sense of humour? I, I don't know what you think about this, but but I, 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 she did have a sort of sense of humour. She liked mm. Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister because it, it was about a, a, a ministers and prime ministers who weren't as effective and as strong as her. So she was laughing at them. <laughs> um, she, she, there was one occasion, actually, uh, uh, um, I, I think it was a man called John Waddington, who was her private secretary, uh, who later became culture secretary. Anyway, the story was late at night in the summer and... Um, he came in, he was a bit up, upset, and she said, John, what's wrong? He said, well, Prime Minister, you know, we've been watching the football, um, and it's the World Cup, and um, Germany have beaten us on penalties. And she said, well, you know, that's life, that's, that's football. And he said, yes, but, you know, the Germans... The Germans have beaten us at our national game. And she thought for a second and she said, yes, but we beat them twice at theirs. <laughs> well, forgive me for saying this, but that's not a bad line. You know? It's, it's, it's racist and anti-German and all the rest of it, but it's a, it's a sharp line. That's the only time I've ever heard anybody say that she said anything remotely witty or intelligent. I had some great conversations with the superb Canadian comic Glenn Wool over lockdown. They cheered me up so much. Here we talk about the distractions of children. So yeah, apart from cycling and MDMA, <laughs> how are you getting through this? You've got, a, you've got, a, you've got a, a young child in the house. That must be distracting. Yeah, but... Um... I mean, it's really, it's, it's lovely. And then it gets, um, gets harder in the afternoons. They, the kid's just pumped full of energy and he's learning. Um, he's got a new trick every day that you have to be aware of. He's, it's like a video game, really. You just sort of, you get better incrementally at stopping what he's getting better incrementally at doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are the uh, what are the main challenges? I have a I have a twelve year old um, in the house and a nine year old. Let's not forget about her. But the twelve year old is he's absolutely great. And then between ten p.m. and ten thirty p.m., when I tell him to go to bed, he's just the. I mean, I love him, but he's the most hideous person on the planet. He's, 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 oh, he's awful. <laughs> And he looks at me with such hatred and it's not, I just don't think this is a phase. I think he actually hates me now for, for getting him to go to bed when he's not tired enough because I mean, he's not doing enough, is he? <laughs> well, 
Well, I mean, I had a theory on why men like war movies so much. <laughs> and it's not to do with, you know, who gained crowned or who. We just like seeing teenage boys die. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something I don't think women understand. Um, it's just the way teenage boys look at us sometimes. And it's the reason that humans have spread across <laughs> the planet because in the old times, they'd just give you that, what are you going to do about it? Look, and then you'd hit them so hard, they'd move to another beach <laughs> and they would learn all, you know, take all that they'd known and, you know, a couple of people. And then it just it spreads like that. And then they're old raggedy and some other kids looking at them and then you understand the circle of life as your jaw like your fist hits the jaw and it's like oh humans are getting everywhere by punching <laughs> next up is trevor Locke, who following up on his main episode of psych comedy we talked with three times on the daily dose as he went through many ups and downs like us all. And in our first conversation, Trevor brought up the subject of cherry knocking, whatever that is. I was interested in your use of the phrase cherry knocking there. Everyone has a different phrase for that. And yours is cherry knocking, which I've never heard about that before. I've heard it about something else. But um, if, you want to spend your, if you want to spend your months cherry knocking, that's, uh, that's totally up to you. What's, what do you think cherry knocking is? <laughs> You know what cherry knocking is. How dare you? How, be, how dare you be rude at this time? So what, what, what cherry knocking is when you knock on a person's door and run away and when they open the door, there's nobody there. That's cherry that's, that's the word you have for it. I don't think everyone what? has that word for it. I have, um, I think it's called, what's it called? Like, um, knock, is it like, no, not knock down ginger. That's something else. Yeah, um, else. That's, uh, that's a game that you play, throwing things Yeah. At. Yeah. No, I, I've never called it cherry. No, I've called it like knock and run. I've called knock it. and run. <laughs> that, that sounds uh, that sounds that's that sounds very far too similar to hit and run. <laughs> well, I mean, it is brutal sometimes the the knock and run business. You know what? Um, about twelve years ago, the, the lad who did this to me, he's now the, uh, the the barman in my local. But when he was about eight, him and his little brother used to come round to my. Uh, doorbell and uh, I back then I had um, a, a, a Wi-Fi doorbell but the doorbell itself was was just stuck on to the side of the door not it wasn't screwed in it was stuck on and uh, and he would uh, take it he would take it pull it off the wall <laughs> then hide round the corner um, by the bins under a wall and press the bell I'd come out Look around. There'd be nobody there. Go back in, and uh, and then eventually I'd realise, hold on, I've got no doorbell. <laughs> um, so I go round to the DIY store, buy a cheap uh, Wi-Fi doorbell with a with a stick-on doorbell, and I got through two or three of these. And then one day he came round, rang the doorbell, but he didn't run away, and he was there and he had an offer for me. <laughs> he said. He asked me if I wanted to buy some doorbells. <laughs> and I twigged what had been going on. And I said, oh, really? You've got some doorbells, have you? And I said, he said, yes. Where did you get these doorbells from? And he said, <laughs> he said, there's a man. There's a man around there, around on the other road, pointing around to the other road. 
there's a man with a bag of doorbells. <laughs> and he, he gave me some. I just wondered if he wanted one. <laughs> I said, oh, God. Well, that's, that's, you know, it's weird, because I, uh, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't have a doorbell. <laughs> I do have a doorbell. I wonder if the ones that you're saying <laughs> will work. Wouldn't that be a coincidence? <laughs> if the man you met with his bag of doorbells... <laughs> Lad, his eyes are getting wider and wider. Is he seeing that I'm buying his bullshit? But I'm also sort of encouraging him to think a little bit further, and he's sort of like following me. Yes, yeah, it would be a coincidence. I think they might work. Yes, shall we try? Uh, yes. Um, do you know what? I bought my own doorbell back. I gave him a pound because it was so much fun. And, uh, and then I, I didn't see him for, for years. Um, and then, uh, about, I don't know, less than three or four months ago, um, uh, I, I recognised him. Uh, I bumped into him. My, my, my flatmate said to me, oh, yeah, you know Connor? He, he lives on our road. And I was like, hold on, hold on. Young man, about 23, lives on our road. And then I just I said to him, excuse me, Connor. Did you steal my doorbell repeatedly in about 2003? <laughs> and the lad did. He, he remembered. <laughs> so uh, isn't that lovely? Everything. Community. That's what it's all about, Nathan. That's what I'm saying. It's community. It is. It is. With this government and the devolved administrations in Wales and in Scotland, the rules were constantly changing and confusing. So I turned to Edinburgh and the great Joe Caulfield to clear it all up for me. I mean, that's what's also been really great about cycling. It's been like cycling in the 1960s or something because yeah. there's no cars, neither of us wear helmets, no cycling proficiency. You know, so we don't, we're all over the roads. Um, so it's, yeah. it's great, but it, it, may, yeah, it may all change after that very confusing speech from <laughs> Boris. Yes, my goodness, it was confusing. And particularly, God, for, yeah, I guess for someone that lives in Scotland, um, you're getting your own rules uh from nicola sturgeon i mean it is so confusing clear it up for me joe what's happening <laughs> what are the rules <laughs> yeah i love the, the weirdest one was him saying you can play sports uh, with your own family <laughs> yeah. and it was just such a posh thing of like these you know because he's got millions of kids like these posh families millions <laughs> of kids and we all play rugger together it was just such a weird thing to say <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't quite i was going because I immediately pictured like teams. I pictured <laughs> teams of people and they went, but he's talking about a family. What are you on about? <laughs> and also you're saying stuff that people are already doing. Wasn't yeah, he said, yeah, oh, yeah. you can visit your family, but social distance. And I thought, well, that's what everybody's been doing anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll go with Nicola on this one. She's staying with the simple slogan, so much better. Yeah. Stay home, stay safe. That's a much better slogan than his stay alert but look at the color to see how alert you should be and then watch out for the vibe whatever it is you know crazy absolutely crazy whoever thought of it you go oh my god people yeah. can't every day get up and go okay what color is it today oh it's yellow we can relax and also there is one and he was saying like goes from one to five so i think one is no danger at all so you can't have between no danger and danger it's you know it's either dangerous or it's not you know, but you go, oh, they're about yellow. That's like it's a, oh. Yeah. <laughs> After what we've all been through as comics, it's been so hard to keep an eye on the future and our goals and ambitions. 
but was great to hear that Jack Carroll still had hope. The, may, the, the, the way I've described it before is like in terms of, you know, a lasting um, ambition is to just do, do lots of credible work that's also popular. And I think um, that in such a bad bar to want to be able to, to yeah. hit really. And I don't, I don't know whether that will be in, in stand-up or, you know, because I, I think I, I really got into stand-up as a, as a, um, as a pathway to, to other things. And luckily it's taught me a lot of skills about writing and being able to perform and things. So I don't know whether, whether it will be um, solely in stand-up, but I would say that that's, you know, to be able to make good, credible stuff that is also um, popular um, is, is the sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the overarching ethos of, of what I'm trying to do really. No, that's great, man. Yeah. Cause we haven't mentioned the, acting that you've done the the film um eats um eaten by lions uh, yeah. you know that's that got terrific reviews and you personally got terrific reviews and you know the sitcoms that you've done you know trolled and four o'clock club you're in weren't you and yeah. stuff so that that's a lovely way of saying it credible but popular i don't think i've heard that before it's either one of the two isn't it it's yeah <laughs> yeah and i think you know you kind of you kind of um you kind of both i think yeah they're not they're not a mutually exclusive thing and i think you know it's um because I, I think you do start as a sort of um you know with and, and obviously there's certain specific goals and things you, you would like to hit but i think if you've got an overarching thing of like um of of reachable and hopefully you know hopefully reachable and attainable things that you can do then that that is also a good thing to fall back on when things do go a little bit haywire or whatever yeah no man, that's such a great that's such a great one. A great ambition, you know. Credible, popular. What more Lovely. can you ask for? I might change my Twitter bio to that for next time. <laughs> yeah. By, by uh, a Canadian comedian. <laughs> <laughs> well, beautiful, Jack. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are um, such a great stand-up. I, as I say, I can't believe looking back how talented you were at um, 14. Most stand-ups, I think all stand-ups at 14. Don't start stand-up if you're listening to this in 14. You won't be very good. You'll be annoying. And I'd, were... I'd, say, I'd say do it, but just do a load of, you know, shock people. Do a load of old, like, chubby brown gags. Really, really shock people. <laughs> 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 he's, he's, he's the he's the other person making money during lockdown still selling vhs videos into care homes <laughs> get, get him on the podcast so, oh, i'd love so, to i'd love so to chubby. so chubby where do you think your racism comes from <laughs> <laughs> is it an environmental thing <laughs> start showing him pictures of uh <laughs> sue pollard now idi amin um. <laughs> and finally, I rounded off a beautiful conversation with the wonderful Ishan Akbar about what he was up to during lockdown and which comedians might be able to get mileage out of coronavirus forever. And I'm kind of doing my own stuff. So you mentioned doing bits live at the top. I do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays with another comedian, Vittorio Angeloni. Um, and I'm learning video editing because I'm going to try and put more sketches and stuff out there. So I've, um, I've kept myself busy. Amazing. That's good to hear, man. All your stuff is brilliant. 
please check Thank it out. Thank you. Yeah, check me out. I'm I'm, I'm on all, all socials under the word, under the name Michael Packintyre. <laughs> so, he really yeah. is. He really is. <laughs> There's a guy that will get some comedy out of this. Michael McIntyre. He he'll be. You know, all the all all the rules don't count for Michael. He'll just be. He can talk about Corona in ten years' time. It'll still seem fresh. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah, yeah. Him him and him and Sean Walsh. I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Just. Remember Corona? Remember Corona? Oh, yes. Talk to us more about Corona. It was 10 years ago, but we're still lapping it up, Michael. Yes, yes. Oh, social distancing. Yes, yes. Social. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's funny in that voice. You do that, don't you? You socially distance, don't you? (laughs) It is funny in that voice. Why didn't I see this when I was gigging in pubs with him? I was like, just copy him. It's going to be huge. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, will, I will stay six metres apart. Yes, yes. Two metres, yes, yes. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Constantly skipping around the stage, trying to social distance from himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So that is our show for today, and that is it for Series 2 of Psychomedy. But join us again in the new year for some special shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify UK, or wherever you get your podcast. If you liked it, please give us a five-star review. It helps other people to find us, and only psychopaths leave three-star reviews. Psychomedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Casty, BSc in Psychology, produced and edited by Mike Hansen, BA English for Pod People Productions, theme music by Mike as well. So that's Psychomedy. Please subscribe, rate, and listen back on all the great episodes so far. They're listed and there's video clips and more at psychomedy.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the podcast for £5 a month and get loads of bonus uncut video and more, please go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. Follow us on social media at Pod People UK, at Psychomedy Pod, and at Nathan Cassidy. Thank you so much again for all the support this year during the Daily Dose shows and in this series too. It's been absolutely amazing. Thanks to all the wonderful guests. Lots of love, happy Christmas, and let's all wish for a better 2021 for us all. Bye-bye.